Well, let's today look at sometimes I don't enjoy praying. Before I was born again, prayer was non-existent in my life. Oh, we went to church, and I prayed the prayers along with everyone else from the Book of Prayers during Sunday morning service. Prayers which, by the way, 50 years later, I can still repeat by memory, repeat from my head, of course, and not from my heart. Then I met Jesus, and prayer took on a whole new dynamic. It was a very became a very personal and private conversation between Jesus and me. A time for solitude, a time for stillness, when I reconnected with my own heart and the heart of the Father who loves me unconditionally. So prayer became a very special, sometimes quiet time when I experienced God's peace and his presence and that was different than what I had experienced during any other time. Three months later, I received the experience we know now as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and this added a whole new dimension to prayer, praying in tongues, a whole new spiritual dimension opening up immediately. I learned to pray from my spirit and not just from my mind. I learned to pray for more than my needs and my wants and my dreams. I learned how to pray from my spirit to God who is spirit. And then, of course, there were the prayer meetings, when nice people would get together and stand in a circle and pray together out loud. I don't like out loud in front of other people. I don't do out loud if I can help it. I don't like holding hands with others in the circle. When the prayers would heat up, some of the more spiritual people would start squeezing my hand harder and harder. And if I was wearing a ring, it would dig into my other fingers and leave a painful mark. One day, I even asked the guy not to squeeze my hand so hard. And he reminded me that Jesus suffered for me and that I shouldn't complain. I have to be honest, I wanted to give him something to complain about. There were other uncomfortable times in public prayer. People had sweaty hands, and that's just plain gross. Something seems very weird about holding a slimy hand while seeking God's heart. But the worst was what I call the dead fish hand. Occasionally someone would hold my hand so limply that it didn't even deserve to be called a grip, almost completely lifeless. And even now the memory of it makes me shudder. Now you may think I'm really shallow. You may think, where's your spiritual passion? The truth is, I just have never liked prayer meetings. And in my mind, most of them are too long, too boring, and they involve more sharing than actually talking to God. More sharing than more praying. And seldom in the prayer time do they take time to listen for God. But never mind all that. Sometimes I don't even enjoy praying, private prayer. It seems that at times my personal private prayer times are half-hearted, inconsistent, routine, although I'm not using a prayer book or any format, lackluster, burdensome, something I have to do, and simply a discipline. And I have met many other wonderful Christians, even numerous Christian leaders, who can identify with my somewhat lifeless prayer times or seasons. Prayer seems to me to be the weak link in almost every Christian's life.
And in most churches, it's also a weak link. And in my mind, corporate prayer in North America is almost non-existent. So why don't people like to pray? Why is prayer apparently such a guilt-producing stumbling block in the life of many believers? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Number one, many people don't know how to pray. And prayer for them seems intimidating, foreign, confusing. Words don't express how we're feeling, and we're not even sure that God cares about how we're feeling. We don't know how we're feeling ourselves. We don't engage our feelings in our prayer time. You don't want to say the wrong thing or ask God for something that's off limits. People feel that their words are inadequate, not eloquent enough for addressing the creator of the universe. And so we get prayer programs, prayer books, devotional guides. So I think the first reason that prayer seems lackluster or almost non-existent in most people's lives is that they really don't believe that they know how to pray. I think the second reason is because people don't pray because they don't really sure that God will answer the prayers. I mean, why bother? It doesn't it seems like a waste of time. I personally have prayed for many things, prayed in faith, prayed with passion and zeal and didn't receive an answer. Well, at least didn't receive the answer that I wanted or maybe simply didn't recognize the answer when it came. The third reason most of us have a lackluster prayer life, and this would be one of the worst reasons and often a real re issue in our lives, is that we have attention deficit disorder. Attention deficit disorder prayers, or what I call ad prayers, ADD. The other night I was praying Seriously. I mean, I was praying seriously and passionately. And suddenly I realized I needed to take out the garbage. Speaking of garbage, I left the cheese wrapper on the dream board last night. Oh, no, yeah, we need more cheese. But my car is low on gas. And my car also needs an oil change. And when in the world will I get all that done? And within seconds, I had forgotten I was even praying. Besides, all those other things to do, who has time to pray? It scares me how quickly my mind wanders when I'm supposed to be fully focused on God. And so I suffer from ADD prayers, attention deficit disorder praying. I think there's a fourth reason we don't pray as often as we should, or when we pray, we don't pray with a great deal of zeal and passion, and that is boredom. There is this issue of having a shopping list of things we want or need from God, and it's a shopping list that you repeat over and over and over again, and you find it boring, and I've got to tell you, God finds it boring. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 8, that God knows what we have need of even before we ask, and it's interesting because that verse comes after the verse that says, don't pray like the heathens who constantly repeat the same thing over and over, hoping that their gods will hear them and give them what they want. And that's exactly what we're doing. 
with this prayer list. The solution to boring prayer is to listen first and then respond to what God says to you. I call that prophetic praying, but basically it's finding out what God's will is, what God's word for today is for us, and then praying it back to him so that we are praying in agreement with him. Chapter 5 of 1 John, the letter of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything, praying in other words, according to his will, he hears us. Verse 14. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's verse 15. So I believe there should be no such thing as unanswered prayer if we are praying prophetically. And that also removes the issue of boredom. And the fifth and last reason I believe that most of us do not pray with a great deal of passion is that we're not really deeply sure, deep in our hearts, that God cares. In fact, many times we really pray knowing that God doesn't care. Most people are not sure that God really cares about them and their insignificant life issues. I mean, God has to take care of countries filled with AIDS and starvation and wars, COVID-19, all the other epidemics, extreme poverty. Why would he care about my headache or the issues I'm having at home or at work? So I believe there are a number of reasons why our prayer life is not much has not got much life in it. We do a lot of praying, maybe, but it's missing a lot of life. Well, I hope you have a great prayer life. I know a lot of people who do. However, I know many more who are like me, people with good intentions but lacking follow-through, people who genuinely love God and are born again, but struggle in maintaining a growing and intimate relationship with him through prayer. For years, I battled a feeling of guilt. You know, how can I be a Christian leader and not be passionate about prayer? And I deeply desired a more intimate relationship with God, but nothing seemed to change. And when I asked other leaders, I got the packaged format that they found most helpful. And I, at times, wondered what was wrong with me as none of the existing packaged programs did anything for me. So for years I battled feelings of guilt. But the good news is, God eventually changed my heart simply because I never stopped desiring more, desiring better, desiring different. I simply clung to my desire for more of Him not willing to settle for what was. And I pursued him with my own halting, awkward, not-so-powerful way. At certain points in the journey, I felt like throwing in the towel, but step by baby step, he drew me closer and closer. And over a period of years, I learned how to relate to God on a deeply personal level in my prayer times. Now, in the process, I had to kill a lot of sacred cows, Cows of the traditional and religious types. 
I had to get over and remove the churchy prayer type of relationship I had with him. I had to get over the churchy prayer meeting types of relationships I had with him. What happened was I had to find my own way to relate to him. Because I discovered that God wants me to enjoy my time with him. And so he released me to be me and to relate to him in a natural me way. But more than that, I had to release me to be me. And that was just as important. So your path towards an effective, fulfilling life, prayer life, might be different than mine. But if you've struggled with consistency in prayer, let me share a few of the simple things that God revealed to me along my long path to a decent prayer life. Focus on the life. Number one, I had to redefine prayer. Prayer has little to nothing to do with the religious trappings. Whether you kneel or stand, pray before meals, morning and evening devotions, family altars, list of needs and wants, Bible reading, head bowed and eyes closed and not sleeping. These can cause prayer to be formal, stuffy, boring, and put prayer in a box. These can be helpful, but they are simply the structure around prayer, not prayer itself. The simplest definition of prayer, if we want to redefine it, is communicating with God. So what is communications? It's transferring a thought, a feeling, a plan, an idea to another person. So prayer is listening as God shares with me his thoughts, his plans, his feelings, his ideas, and then giving God my thoughts, feelings, plans, and ideas and doing so by whatever means works best for me at a particular point in time. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be long and dry. It doesn't have to be done in a specific way. It doesn't have to be in a specific place. It doesn't have to be a specific time. It is simply communicating. And communicating doesn't even need words at times. If prayer is communicating, then sure, words work fine but so do a hundred other methods. If you've been living on little or no formal prayer, that can change. Start by thinking about prayer differently. It's more simple, more intimate, less formal. Prayer is deep communication between two people, you and the one who made you and loves you. The second thing I learned is that I needed to demolish dishonesty or pretense. Let me introduce you to a guy who really prayed. He's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And if you look at his prayers, you will likely agree that one word summarizes his communication. Honesty. Jeremiah never held back when talking with God. He got right to the point and he said exactly what was on his mind. In Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 7, the prophet agonized in prayer crying, O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me, and you prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. The message version reads it this way. You pushed me into this, God, and I let you do it. You were too much for me, and now I'm a public joke. They all poke fun at me. 
Now, that's not the perfect specimen of a politically correct prayer. But Jeremiah didn't give a rip. This guy never played games with God, never minced his words, and neither should we. Now, God didn't really deceive Jeremiah. But Jeremiah wasn't afraid to tell God about his subjective experience, what it felt like to him, and to do it without pulling punches. You know, sometimes we pray with a formal, flattering dishonesty. We pray what we think God wants to hear. We pray hoping to manipulate him to accomplish our agenda. We pray flattering, polite, sterile, lifeless prayer. And when I do, I can hear God saying, Will the, Ralph, will the real Ralph Howe please stand up? Jesus wants people to be real and honest to relate to him person to person in an open and honest relationship and to tell him what's on your mind right now. I mean, if you're hurting, tell God about it. Allow his presence to start the healing. If you're afraid, unload on him and you'll feel a lot lighter. And if you're battling with doubt, dump them on him. And you'd be surprised at the peace of God that passes all understanding that you will experience. And if you feel like God isn't being fair, tell him. Don't hold back. He can handle it. God wants you to be truthful with him. Let it rip. Give him your whole heart. Be totally real and honest. So first thing, redefine prayer. It's just talking to God. Secondly, demolish dishonesty. And then third, realize that prayer is no more nor no less than a personal conversation between you and God. And so public prayer is then a personal conversation between you and God with others listening. Jesus taught, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray to be seen by men. During his tenure as prayer of the United States, Lyndon Baines Johnson once asked Bill Moyers, a former Baptist minister who was on Johnson's staff, to pray before a meal. Mr. Moyers was honored to pray, and when he did, President Johnson couldn't hear him. The president asked Moyers to speak up so that everyone could hear. Moyers replied, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to God. Praying in public, in front of others, is good and should be encouraged. But if we're trying to impress the people we're with, but if we're trying to make a good impression, if we're trying being careful not to upset anyone and being politically correct, and if we're speaking to maintain an image of being a mature believer, if we want to impress people with our amazing prayer life, then we are praying to be seen by men, and your personal conversation should not be public. Number four. God cares about the totality of your life, topical totality. No topics are off limits. A pastor friend of mine, <clears throat> his daughter came up to him and asked, does God care about my sick goldfish? And he's thinking, I don't really care about the goldfish. Why would God? And then he noticed a tear begin its long, slow trek down his little daughter's face. And his thought, because I cared for my daughter, Suddenly, I cared for the stupid goldfish. God is like that. 
Because he cares for you and loves you, he cares about what you care about. Paul the Apostle seemed to know that God was into the details of our lives. He reminded the believers in Philippi, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. Paul didn't say pray only about the big, hairy, important-sounding things, but pray about everything. Paul says we should pray about everything because God cares about everything. So I seriously recommend that you go ahead give it a try. If you're feeling lonely, talk to God. Ask Him to be with you. Then expect to sense His presence. And if you're stuck in a bind and don't know what to do, ask God for advice like you'd ask a friend and allow him to guide you step by step. And if you know someone who needs help, but you can only look on helplessly, petition God. Watch him intervene in ways you can't understand. When you really realize that you can pray about anything and everything, anywhere, your prayer life will take off like a rocket towards heaven. God, give me the words to say to this person. God, give me patience. God, bless her, meet her needs. God, use me to encourage him. God, show me if I should buy this. God, help me to see him as you do. God, help me show her your love. The fifth thing we can do, and that God taught me slowly over a season, so that my prayer life began to have life, was don't ever stop praying. Because praying is like breathing. You keep on breathing, keep on praying. And I'm grateful to a woman who lived thousands of years ago. Her name is Hannah, and her story is in the Bible, as you know. Hannah's example sheds light on a New Testament Bible verse that used to frustrate the snot right out of me. I don't like the verse. I didn't understand the verse. And I always feel guilty when I saw it or thought about it. And the verse is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Short verse. It says, pray continually. The New King James Version translates to pray without ceasing. And the Bible says to pray all the time. Have you ever desired something more than anything else and not received it? Then you can relate to Hannah's plight. The desire of her life was to, have a, to be a mum. She had prayed and begged God for years with no results. Still, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12, Hannah kept on praying, kept on praying, kept on praying to the Lord. When everyone else told her it was no use, she kept on praying to the Lord. She never gave up. She kept on praying to the Lord. And you can imagine her frustration, always bringing pastel-wrapped gifts to her friend's baby showers. Everyone was getting pregnant. Everyone but her. With no hope in sight, Hannah kept on praying. I wonder how often did she cry herself to sleep with God's name on her lips. Hannah prayed continually, and so should we. And after this woman prayed for who knows how long, God finally honored her prayers and gave her a miracle, a son she named Samuel. She prayed continually. Keep on breathing, keep on praying. A good portion of every day I'm working, I spend con contacting people in nations around the world and here at home. Emails, phone calls, 
text messages, WhatsApp, Skype, Viber, FaceTime, Messenger, Instagram. Why do I make these contacts? Because I care about people. Because I want to share life with people. Because I enjoy people. Because I feel in touch by communicating regularly with people. And because I feel anchored in securing God's love and want to share it with them. And it should be the same in my relationship with God. Constant contact throughout the day because I care about him and I know that he cares about me. So let me give you a couple of personal comments in closing. For me, continual prayer has become an attitude directed to God, not just a set of behaviors. I work to include God in everything. It is as if God is my constant travel companion. At times I chuckle as if he's chuckling with me. In the middle of an activity, I just say one sentence to him, or I might talk for an hour at a time, especially when driving. I still forget to enjoy his presence, but the good news is that even when we forget to pray continually, he never forgets to remain continually with us. And since prayer is simply communication, I have a wide variety available, a wide range of ways to pray in different circumstances. Sometimes words, sometimes thoughts, sometimes just an awareness of his presence. The whole time, at every moment, he's here, ready to listen and ready to respond. So let's review. Why, so why some people, maybe you, don't pray or don't pray regularly? Well, number one, you don't feel you really know how to pray effectively. Number two, you're not sure God will really answer. Number three, you have ADD, attention deficit disorder, when it comes to pray, prayer. Number four, you're bored out of your mind. Number five, apparently God simply doesn't care. Things to think about. It might be time to redefine prayer, demolish dishonesty, realize prayer is simply a personal conversation with God, realize that everything goes, anything goes, that's topical totality, and as you keep breathing, keep praying. My last thought if you're not worn out at this point. Even with all of this in hand, prayer can still be somewhat boring at times. The solution to this comes from a regular guy turned king who had an amazing understanding of prayer. The Bible tells the story of an ordinary shepherd boy with a heart for God who eventually became king of Israel. And he was certainly, if nothing else, very creative in his relationship with God. God said that David was a man after his own heart. And I certainly don't know anyone with a more inventive prayer and worship life than King David. For example, David prayed through his instruments of worship, Psalm 108, verses 1 to 3. Have you ever turned your prayer into a song? I have. It's fun. It's freeing at the same time. And you may say, but I can't sing. Neither can I. That's what makes it so enjoyable. My singing is not for people, but for God. Secondly, David took every opportunity to pray. You could pray for your neighbors while cutting the grass. You go for a walk in your neighborhood, praying for each house that you pass. Sitting in a boring meeting, pray for those in attendance. Pray that the meeting end early. 
Thirdly, David shouted to the Lord, Psalm 20, verse 5. Don't try that one while walking down a busy street. They might also want to avoid this one in restaurants and public washrooms. But when you're at home, give them a shout. Shout praises to him. Shout for joy. Even shout your hurts. Number four, David sighed. Psalm 5, verse 1 and 2. Listen to the words. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. Now, most of us don't think of sighing as a form of prayer. You know, God, I love you, pause, long sigh, pause, another deep, heartfelt sigh. God is so big. He understands the emotions, the questions, the pain, confusion, the hopes all wrapped up in your sighs. Now, you can't just call any old sigh a prayer, but a sigh directed towards God could be prayerful. You might try writing out your prayers, praying during routine tasks like shopping, laundry, preparing a meal. Pray when making a long drive. Just keep your eyes open. After all, Jesus did say, watch and pray. Praying in different places, at home, office, yard, shower, and bed. Varying your body's position, sit, stand, walk, kneel. Praying by listening and not doing all the talking. That's an excellent one, by the way. Praying the scriptures you're reading. Praying while watching the nightly newscast. So I guess my message is simple. Pray. Pray creatively, openly, honestly. Pray long, pray short. Sigh, sing, dance, cry, shout. Pray in the morning, during the day, and in the evening. Pray in the car, while working, while doing chores. Laugh with him, cry with him, experience his presence. Let your attitudes, thoughts, energy, focus, attention, desire, and love be directed towards the one who loves you. Like breathing air, allow moment-by-moment moment fellowship to become a way of life. Starting this very moment, go ahead. Just communicate and be yourself with God.